Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Be Meaner Than It with Max and Jake. Hey. Woo, it's been a while. It's been a while, Jake. I missed you. I missed you. Did you have to do the drums? Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> we're gonna do we're gonna be doing that more often now drums like drum solos like drum solos like one episode is just gonna be a uh, we're just gonna do a drum circle <laughs> what if, I, that's my idea <laughs> um can i do air guitar yeah you can do air guitar can i do air metal triangle let's let's not get ahead of ourselves Let's All stick right. with the air guitar and we'll see how it how it gets flushed out. Work our way down from there. <laughs> We're never gonna get to the chapter, are we? No, it's fine now. Oh man, I've been gone for a while. Uh, my son was born. Number three. Thank you, Peter, is come into the world, and I will soon be indoctrinating him in uh, hit and fade tactics. As a one week old, dude, so. we need um forgotten ruined baby books <gasps> and onesies. Yes, all right. I'm gonna talk to somebody about that. I just don't know who yet. <laughs> On the back of the onesie, like they'll say, Be browner than it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Knocked my old desk over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good, dude. That's good. Oh, man. All right, chapter 10. Chapter 10 of Forgotten Ruin, book one, written by Nick Cole and Jason Anspach. Here we go. The chapter kind of starts off with, uh, we got Sergeant Major pulling a talker away from the main element. They're going to go over some intel. Uh, This is fresh from the debrief with uh, McCluskey. Mm -hmm. Talker still has all of his his stuff with him. They kind of Uh, go off into the woods and uh, into the Sergeant Major's little personal command post set up. And looks like he has a good view of all the operations going on. And in the background, the the Rangers are, you know, using chainsaws like crazy and cutting down all kinds of trees for their defenses because they know the orcs are coming back later. Um, And what does the Sergeant Major have in his little, little command post? Good old little percolator of coffee. Yeah. So I really like this because I believe everybody has to have their, I don't know if you want to call it fortress of solitude. Yeah. Everybody has to have their place where they escape Mm -hmm. and they could go. And then if you're brought into that area, you know, you're within their inner circle. You're, You're trusted. You're good with them. And, uh, Usually that's where a lot of the the talk happens. So do you think do you think when a uh, Sergeant Major looked at talkers like paperwork or whatever, that he right away knew that like this is somebody I can trust from the get-go, you know? Like he thought that when he first talked with him at uh 51. Cause I feel like he had he already had an opinion made about Talker before he like ever met him. Yeah. I think that he was in an area of he wasn't sure if he could trust him. But after he's in combat with this guy and Talker could hold his own and do specialized missions, he's like, all right, I could trust Talker now. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on, on that Reaper mission, right? Yeah. Because before that, he probably looked at his background and he's like, all right, this guy's just a Berniac. I'm going to keep him to the side. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, this guy's a Berniac and a warrior. Uh, he's good to go. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, and uh, we get a little sidebar into how addicted Talker is right now to uh, coffee. Mm-hmm. I think we got some clues about that earlier, but uh, basically said he's not particular about where he finds it and couldn't agree more with uh, just there's so many things to love about when you first start reading this book and then to have a, a fellow coffee holic writing it as well. It just ah, so many good feels. I, I don't know what happened if I ran out of coffee. I don't either, dude. You ever just been walking around <laughs> at our at our work and I just drink coffee from every single carafe I find. Yep. <laughs> just anytime I see one, just pouring it. Yeah. And then you like walk around, you're like, I don't even know if this is my coffee cup. But <laughs> no, you come back, you come <laughs> back and you see your coffee cup sitting down and you're like, oh no. Oh, uh... And then you just dump a whole bunch of Tabasco sauce in it. And you're like, I'm, I'm taking it anyways. <laughs> no, 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 no. That you did that. I know I did. <laughs> you're the only one that did that. Oh man. Okay. So they sit for a few moments and they kind of just take in the, uh, it's just, it's just talker and it's just the Sergeant major right now. And I would be pretty nervous, you know, just sitting in, like you said, his inner circle or his fortress of solitude. I really like that that's yeah. super true um you know for like the lower enlisted lower ugh, lower enlisted it's always the uh the smoke pit where mm-hmm. everybody dips and smokes and that's where like those you know lance corporal underground conversations are always had the you know what i'm talking about the e4 mafia yeah. too they meet E4. there sergeant major says they'll be back tonight kind of to himself kind of off into the distance and uh Talker's like not sure if he should ask, like contribute to that part of the conversation at all. Have you ever had an NCO that's just like, just kind of mutter something and you're like, uh, well, I'm an E1 and he's an E6. You know, should I ask him what he means by that? Should I keep, should I just shut up? I think that's happened more in our line of work now than it did to me in the military. Yeah. Where I'm just like, I don't know I, if I want to touch that. I'm afraid to talk to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. They pull out the intel. We got a messenger bag, a spell book, spell ingredients, and the parchments with the scrawlings on them. Mm-hmm. And I uh, had previously said that I don't think we hear about this anymore, but I was totally wrong. Um, uh, Talker is looking at it and he, he's seeing like there's obviously some sort of number thing on there, numbers and some sort of code, but he can't translate it in the, uh, you know, kind of where they're at. But if he had all the time in the world, he's like, I could do that. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some Chinese symbols that he's able to decipher and they mean they're like element. They're like elements like earth, wind, fire, and then some other one he can't make out it's like a unifier symbol but i think it means heart like captain planet that's what i'm sticking to dude i 
damn you. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> um, I was still, for once, I was totally going to get serious about it. And then you took my role, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did. Damn it, Captain Planet. Uh, I was thinking it was, it was going to be magic. Like, the, like, all of them together creates magic, and that's what they're kind of using for their spells mm. and all. But mm. Captain Planet, dude, I was just watching so Captain wise. Planet on YouTube the other day. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Remember See the, the little monkey guy? Yeah, dude, that was the heart guy. Dude, who has the power of heart? Like, I don't know. That was a lame horrible. one. I feel like they just had to like. I don't want to go. I don't want to go there. Never mind. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So they sit the stuff down and Sergeant Major flips out his little benchmade knife and is like kind of flipping through the pages with his knife, which I thought was really good after uh, the little IED talk that I wasn't confident about them existing and Walt totally called me out on that. Um, They do exist. Magical IEDs do exist. They exist all over the place in D&D. And so uh, I like that even though it's in their possession, Sergeant Major is still pretty cautious. He doesn't even want to like touch the thing. Um, you disappeared, Jake. Come back. I, I don't know how happened. Um, what's interesting too about the parchment, and I didn't realize this until I reread it. Um, the parchment had uh, a seal on it of black wax with a pitchfork and the letter T, which we later know is uh, belonging to, or could only really belong to King Triton, right? I think that pitchfork was actually the uh, the uh, trident. It just like you know, kind of gets lost in the wax when it gets stamped. But um, and it looks like a pitchfork. But uh, I don't know what else that could have been besides orders from you know that authority from him. Do you know about seals, Jake? Oh, they drip the wax on it, and they have the special ring that. No, you're inactive. Okay. Come back. Uh, so, um, we got the. Uh, hold on, we're just trying to get Jake back here, folks. And there he is. There we go. I don't know what happened. We got the. Uh, we we're talking about the wax and oh, the yeah. parchment signet, paper. The parchment paper. And uh, if you don't know. Uh, back in like old days, and it's, it's kind of an outdated practice, but if you had the ring that could stamp with like a wax seal, you were someone with authority. And so someone who carried the authority of like King Triton, you know, dripped that black wax on and stamped that seal. And these were orders from his circle, his, you know, organization or whatever. I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what to call him right now. Uh, so they're starting to conclude and wrap everything up. They can't really make sense of anything right now. And then talker goes, Oh, uh, I also got this ring. (laughs) He puts it on and freaking disappears. Um, can we step back real quick? Yeah, go for it. All right. Can we get some of those rings to put a wax seal on something? Yes. All right. I think I know where you're going with this. We're doing that. We can get it with M. (gasps) Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. All right. Our last names. We are one. We are one. We're going to hand out weird parchment papers to people at work. And they're going to be like, what the? F- what is this? 
doing that. We'll we'll talk about this offline, but it has to happen. (laughs) Your role has been reassumed, sir. Sergeant Major's like, uh, talker, where'd you go? And he goes, I'm I'm right here, Sergeant Major. He takes off the ring. Sergeant Major swears and jumps back. What the hell did you just do, son? The great Googly Mowgli. I think I think they nailed his. Uh, I, I I rarely listen. I, I usually read, but uh, in the audiobook, the Sergeant Major, it's just dead on. Like I I totally picture him uh, with that accent too. Yeah, that's good. And he goes. Tucker has no idea at this point. He's turned invisible, and. Uh, I, I relate to this lower enlisted uh, feeling of confusion when a senior NCO just asks you what the hell and you're like, I, I don't know if you're happy with me or if you're mad at me, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, so he tells him, you just disappeared and reappeared, bro. And he shrieks, what? And remembers his... <laughs> And then he remembers his custom and courtesies and goes, I, uh, Sergeant major, what, uh, I don't, I don't know what you mean, Sergeant major. <laughs> I like the reference to predator, uh, yeah. Sergeant major makes it's like, okay, it, it's like, it very clearly looks like that. You don't, I, I think everybody that read this knows exactly what gets the reference. Um, same sort of see-through, but wavy, the outline of the figure. Um, so we know like, I like the way this is written. We know we know right away what it looks like to have the ring on, what Talker looks like when he has the ring on. So whenever he puts it on, you already get that visual of like, you know, the predator doing his cloak thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Talker said everything looked the exact same through his eyes when he had the ring on. But I think um, we find out later that he's able to see some things uh, that other people don't see when he puts the ring on. And I think this is... Uh, um, in D&D, it's called True Sight, and I'll, and I'll read what that does. It allows a creature to see what is truly there. Specifically, it allows the creature to see normally in darkness and magical darkness, but on top of that, it also allows them to see anything that is invisible. They can also see through illusions, and um, they can see shapeshifters, true form, and uh, a creature transformed by magical means, and they can see into the ethereal plane. So like the ethereal plane is like, think of it like just another dimension that exists. Like we're on the material plane. Everything's like physical and here, but there's these other planes of existence like that, uh, like the earth, wind, fire and water and all that. Those are also different like elemental planes. And there's an ethereal plane where like there's spirits and like weird, crazy stuff. Um, so I think that ring gives him that ability and, you know, we kind of get that later on. Um, you ever, uh, turn invisible, Jake? Um, no, can't say half. Would really come um, in handy sometimes. It would be like every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Part of, part of the, uh, E4 Mafia was you tried to learn the, uh, the skill of invisibility, but never really worked out that well. Oh, for you? No. No. I could be invisible in a heartbeat. Was that good? I'm going hide. I'm going hide under my blanket. <laughs> yeah, it's a dead giveaway, dude. Um, 
<laughs> so Sergeant Major gets into something interesting here. And uh, I hope at some point we get to hear more about this, but the Sergeant Major takes the ring and he kind of studies it and flips it over in his hand. And uh, it's a cloaking device on a, pers- on a personal level, he says. And he says they had something similar in Delta, but not this good and uh, not that small. And I was like, right away, whoa, Sergeant Major is definitely in Delta at some point. And they had like freaking cloaking devices. And then I got super curious and I went on YouTube and I looked at, uh, I just typed in like cloak or personal cloak device. And there's actually a company called Quantum Stealth and they make, it's not really a cloak. It's like a panel, but um, it, it, you make like a dead zone with the panel, like you bend it a certain way and like on a riot shield, for example, and, and he was totally invisible behind this riot shield. And it yeah, was crazy. Seen. You've seen that? Yeah. So it works on ultraviolet, infrared, thermal. It works on like the near IR spectrum too. And it's freaking nuts. They, and it's just like, it was like, just like the predator thing. Like all the other stuff around him was like a little bit wavy or like blurry. And, uh, it's called Quantum Stealth. That's the company. It was gnarly. Wasn't there, was it the uh, raid on Osama bin Laden or one right after that where they had to blow, the Navy SEALs had to blow a helicopter, but the stealth capabilities on the helicopter were like nothing like anybody's seen before? Yeah. It was really quiet. I read something a few years ago that, um, yeah, they like, they like encase in, in everything. And there's also, I, I don't know how it works, so don't quote me on this, but there was this, um, I read this article about they use like base or like subwoofer things to like deaden the blades, like counteract the shockwaves from the blades so that it's super quiet or something. I, That's weird. I don't know. Um, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, they had to blow right. up. They pretty much blow up every helicopter that goes down for various I'm reasons. Going up. <laughs> what? Like in Black Hawk Down, remember the movie when they were like the crash site secured, and then it like the whole chopper freaking blows up. <laughs> I mean, just get rid of it. Why not? Yeah, you gotta get rid of that stuff, man. You can't fall in enemy hands. Okay. Uh, Sergeant Major asked that it mess with your head. And I don't know why he would ask this other than, uh, well, Tucker seems kind of out of it because he's like panicking about being turned invisible. Like he doesn't want to just disappear into non-existence. Mm-hmm. But I think that that also alludes to the one that Sergeant Major used at, in Delta and that that did mess with people's heads. Yeah. Kind of like Philadelphia experiment type stuff. Like gave people freaking aneurysms or something. I don't know. And then wake up and then like confused in a ship. Yeah, confused in a ship. What a great fate. Um, so at this point, Sergeant Majors, um, he's done with the he's done with the debrief. He's done with the intel. He gives Talker the ring, says you hold on to it. Um, he's moving on to more pressing matters now. He tells Talker the weapons section uh, they got one last night. I need you to go talk to it and figure out. Uh, Intel from them, enemy movements and the like. And Tucker goes, I'm not, well, I'm not really an interrogator, Sergeant Major. You know, that's not really my game. 
and he goes, uh, John, but John taught you the basics, right? And this is interesting um, because according to Talker, the only thing in a service jacket is um, some scrawlings of letters and numbers. And only somebody who knew about that would be uh, privy to that kind of like information. So he's like, oh my gosh, you, the, the John, who's not John. Yeah. Um, Sergeant Major, <laughs> he asked, he still calls himself John, right? Okay, good. And they both have this like awkward nod as like it dawns on Talker, like, oh, he knows, he knows about that school and he knows about John. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think that alludes to a lot. I think, uh, I think obviously Sergeant Major knows John, but I think, I think he, he trained John and he said, you're always going to call yourself John. And that's why he oh. asked, he asked, he still call himself John or did he like take things into his own hands? Dude, I didn't even think about that. This entire time I was thinking John trained Sergeant Major, but then it make more sense sergeant major trade trained him yeah i think i think sergeant major is older than john and i think john was uh the smadge's trainee Hmm. smadge smadge and we learn about the uh the cryptic wording of uh like the intel language right like you're gonna say they're gonna say things to you that have Hmm. alternate meanings to communicate the dark deeds that need to get done um and John, we flash back to John and Talker in the diner on the wrong part of Las Vegas. And he says, like, you know, if a head mafia boss wants you to kill somebody, he's not going to ask you, do you kill people? He's going to say, hey, do you clean? Do you do you paint houses or something vague like that? Um, lots of words with different meanings to communicate the dark words that you that you didn't want to use. Uh, that, that's why I can never be in the mafia, because I would be like, yeah, I paint a house house and then i'd actually go paint it and it completely fail everything <laughs> you'd paint the target's house <laughs> <laughs> like big old bullseye on the house <laughs> this guy right here yeah, i hope you like your paint job i'm out <laughs> and uh one more thing that's interesting that doesn't get a lot of clarification talker says um john taught him some things that required one to be morally flexible. Like mm-hmm. I automatically thought of like pulling teeth or hooking somebody up to a car battery, but that's because that's what I tried to do in my D and D campaigns, but we didn't have any car batteries, but I did pull goblins teeth and that was fun. Morally flexible, mm-hmm. morally flexible. So now they also uh, one last remembrance from Talker. He goes, oh, wait, uh, Sergeant Major, one more thing. Um, the deep state guy, he asked, uh, he asked, how is everyone? Or no, how are the men? And it seemed like he was kind of up to something when he said that. And this kind of launches Sergeant Major into a, uh, a deep state of thought real quick. And then he kind of erupts. Let me see your sidearm, Talker. And uh, they do a little... They do a little exchange. Sergeant Major hands him his pistol as, you know, they, they do a swap. And he hands him a little rolled up piece of fabric. And uh, it's a suppressor. And Smadge's pistol is, is threaded. Um, 
And that's where we hear, you know, one of the, I, I, what I thought was one of the best lines uh, early in the book, um, clean them. Can't have that going forward. And uh, I didn't understand this right away because I was probably reading at 1am because I could never put the book down. Um, and I had to reread it a couple of times, but uh, the smadge definitely knows John. And connecting the dots about like the cryptic language, I'm like, oh, clean. And then Tucker goes to clarify it. Um, uh, that means kill. That means kill him. He wants me to kill him. Smadge's term uh, back, and he says, quote, back in the agency was R&R, &R, uh, which means roughly retire. But everyone always thought they meant like, oh, rest and relaxation. Yeah, that's cool on paper. But uh, nope, definitely not. Definitely not. I wish I could R and R some people. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I don't know. We'll find out. So now talkers, talkers tasked with an assassination and interrogation, both of which probably were not very trained much in the two weeks in Las Vegas. But back to what you were saying, Jake, he definitely trusts talker uh, immensely. If he's giving him the task of, knocking somebody off yeah and that's what this whole meeting was about mm -hmm. he brought him in offered him the coffee made this short chit chat and now he's like here's the job i really need to get done because your man you're the man i know could take care of it mm -hmm. you know i wonder if he was talking with john while talker was in uh las vegas i don't know like how's this guy doing like he knew he was probably coming you know i think John's training was one of those trainings like you either make it or you don't. And if you don't make it, you disappear. Mm -hmm. I could see it just being like that. Like Talker talks a lot about how uh, John trained him to like hack filing cabinets. And then a lot of the, a lot yeah. of the other things that were more relevant to um, or, or, or they didn't seem relevant, but those were clearly the lessons, right? Like, Oh, Hey, yeah. by the way, if you ever need to interrogate somebody, this is what you got to do. Yeah, um, you're in a cafe. Let's go get some, you know, chicken fried steak. And here's how you pull the man's tooth out. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like awesome training. I'm down. I wish we could get that. And then disappear 10,000 years in the future. Should we look into that? We should look into that. I think we could do it. And uh, right. now Taco walks away, headed to the prisoner who, you know, we don't know who he is yet, but Born to Gob. Born to Gob is coming. I love that. I can't wait for that. Well, that's it, folks. That's it for us on this end. Chapter 10. Hope you enjoyed. Next, we meet Jabba. And we're out. See you all next time.